You're listening to a 58 Ember production. Hey everyone, I'm your host Emily and welcome to Sideline Edit. Here I'll be curating and breaking down what's trending in the world of sports on and off the field. I'll leave you with just the right amount of information so that you can join in on any sports conversation and not feel totally lost. You'll know what the big game of the week was, what event to be on the lookout for next, what team is hot, who had the best game day fit, because trust me, the game day fashion is elite. And I'll also just be filling you in on who some of these main characters are so that you can get a better understanding of why I and so many other people out there are just so obsessed with the world of sports. And I always say, I truly think sports are the best reality TV out there. And so I'm excited for you to see that too. Thanks for tuning in. The NBA Pro Basketball started their season last week. So as they would say on Love Island, it's still early days. Similarly with the NHL, the Pro Hockey League, they started earlier this month, and so they're still getting into a groove. Both basketball and hockey, we're still trying to figure out who's good, who has some contention for this year, and so I'm not going to be diving into those sports too much today because honestly, we have way too much to talk about in some of these other sports. So let's go ahead and dive into the NFL Pro Football. So we are in week eight of the NFL season, which is 18 weeks long. And so each team plays 17 games because they each get a bye week. The week started off with Thursday night football. This Thursday night game was between the Buffalo Bills and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And now the Bills have been a competitive team for the past few years with players like their quarterback, Josh Allen, and their wide receiver, Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs, you'll probably hear me mention quite a few times because the man has impeccable fashion taste. He's also a good follow on Instagram, so I'm a big Stephon Diggs fan. The Bills have historically had some really bad luck. Like in the 90s, they lost four Super Bowls in a row. However, they have been really looking great these past few years, but again, still have not made it to the Super Bowl. And a reason for that is that the AFC, the league that they're in, has been really competitive during this time with teams like the Kansas City Chiefs. And so to get the Super Bowl, you have to be the best of the AFC, since the Super Bowl is a game between the AFC and the NFC. And something that I feel like would really help the Bills' chances in the postseason, getting a bye week in the first round of the playoffs. And the bye week is rewarded to the number one seeded team, so whoever has the best record in the AFC. And unfortunately, They haven't been able to get that, and this does not look like their season to get it. They still look like a strong team, but it's just been sloppy. And I actually have a little bit of a hot take here, and that I think a lot of these quote-unquote good teams in the league this year just really don't look that good. Like, they just aren't winning convincingly to me. They may have good records, but have not looked great against teams 
that simply are worse than them that they should be beating more confidently. An example of that was this week in narrowly beating the Bucks. Last week, they lost to the Patriots, who have really, really not looked good this season. People are questioning if Bill Belichick, the coach who has been there for a very long time, has won them multiple Super Bowls, if it's time for him to leave. And the Patriots and the Bills are in the same division, and so not beating them, kind of a big deal. And then the week before that, they narrowly beat the New York Giants, who truly do everything in their power to lose and have honestly looked really bad every single week this year. And I actually have this take about a handful of these good teams, and I'll circle back on this with some of those other teams. And let's go ahead and move on to Sunday. Sunday had a slow start with these early games. The Jets and the Giants had a statistically impressively bad game with 24 total punts, which is the most in an NFL game since 1998. This is statistically bad because in football, punt is used to change possession from one team to another. So essentially, neither of the teams were able to score. And so they were just punting the ball back and forth to one another. The Giants also had negative nine passing yards. And granted, this was with their third string quarterback for most of the game. But obviously, a negative passing yards is not good. Typically, an NFL game averages about 220 passing yards. Like I said, it was kind of a sad game to watch. And for those of you who don't know, the New York Giants and the New York Jets shared the stadium. And so technically, it was a home game for the Giants, but they both had their fan base and it just did not look good. Speaking of the NFC East, which the Giants are in, the Eagles beat the rivals, the Commanders. But the Commanders really actually held their own, and it wasn't until seven minutes left in the game that the Eagles started to lead the game. And as you might know, the Eagles, they're a good team. They were at the Super Bowl last year, and the Eagles are now 7-1. and one. And the Commanders, on the other hand, they're 3-5. and five. This game shouldn't have been this close, and it's another example of a quote-unquote good team just not winning convincingly. Other early games included the Dolphins beating rivals the Patriots, this was expected. Jacksonville went on to beat the Steelers. And honestly, the Jags are looking good. Trevor Lawrence and his team, they've been really fun to watch, and I'm excited to see where they end up the rest of the season. We had the Titans beat the Falcons, and the Carolina Panthers got their first win of the season against the Texans, making the Panthers 1-6. and six. This matchup was interesting because the two quarterbacks, Bryce Young for Carolina, and C.J. Stroud for Houston were the top two picks in this year's NFL draft. This is unusual that you get to see two top picks in the draft play each other, especially within the same position, and I think there's been talks about whether or not the Panthers should have picked C.J. Stroud over Bryce Young, and so it's kind of nice to see Bryce Young being able to prove himself a little bit and get the Panthers their first win. Also yesterday, we did have the Cowboys convincingly beat the Rams, the Saints beat the Colts, and the Vikings beat the Packers. But unfortunately for the Vikings, their quarterback, Kirk Cousins, got taken out of the game and the rest of the season with an Achilles injury. So this is the same injury that took Aaron Rodgers out for the season earlier in the year, and it hasn't been confirmed yet as of now, but 
likely the same fate for Kirk Cousins. And now, you may know Kirk Cousins because he was one of the featured quarterbacks on the Netflix series. And personally, I'm a Kirk Cousins fan. I think he's wholesome. I think he's always trying. And I'm always rooting for the guy. And I heard this once, and I hate to agree, but Kirk Cousins is the nickelback of the NFL. I don't know why, and it's just not cool to like Kirk Cousins. He's the nickelback of the NFL. And personally, I just don't think he's appreciated enough. And so I hope for Kirk a speedy recovery. Moving on, Geno Smith and the Seahawks beat the Browns and the Ravens beat the Cardinals. Now, we got some more interesting games later in the day, except for the Sunday night game. The Chargers beat the Bears. We expected this to happen. But the two games I want to dive into further are the Chiefs at the Broncos and the Bengals versus the 49ers. Let's start with the Chiefs and the Broncos. So if you haven't been keeping up with football, the Denver Broncos are bad. They are currently the worst of the AFC West, and they have ended last season as the worst of the AFC West, and they only won five out of their 17 games last season. And there was some excitement around them last year with Super Bowl winning quarterback Russell Wilson, husband of Sierra, joining the Denver Broncos. But like I said, their season ended up 5-12. and 12. This season, there was again some excitement around them as Super Bowl winning coach Sean Payton came out of retirement to coach the Broncos. Sean Payton came into the season kind of boasting about how he could turn this program around and how the coaching was a big issue last year and essentially that he can be the Broncos' answer. And so, so far this season, we have not really seen that at all. Felt like there was some tension between Coach Payton and quarterback Wilson. It just didn't feel like they were on the same page and just could not get a rhythm. But the top team of the AFC West and Super Bowl champs, Kansas City Chiefs, made the Broncos actually not look that bad. And these are the Chiefs with quarterback Patrick Mahomes and Taylor Swift's boyfriend, Travis Kelsey. And so we expected the Chiefs to go into Denver and really just show out. At the beginning of the game, there was an 80% chance of the Chiefs winning. And that's what everyone expected. However, the Chiefs' offense just couldn't get it together, and they only scored nine points, and the Broncos beat them by 15 points. Now, this does kind of seem like a fluke for the Chiefs, and I'm sure the Chiefs will bounce back, and they actually play the Dolphins next week in Germany, so that will be a fun game to watch. But I think it'll be interesting to see if the Broncos can take this momentum into future games through next week. They have a bye next week, which can kind of slow momentum. And so I'm hoping they can kind of get together and make some good progress later in the season. Now, the last game that I want to dive into is the Cincinnati Bengals and the San Francisco 49ers. Now, I like both of these teams. They're both fun to watch. I like Joey Burrow of the Bengals. I like a lot of the 49ers team, and they are arguably one of the best teams in the league. I personally root for the 49ers a lot because there are other teams in the NFC that I just don't want to go to the Super Bowl, and I'd much rather see the 49ers there as opposed to some of these other teams. You might have an idea of who I'm talking about. But like the Bills, I've been a little disappointed in the 49ers, as this was their third loss in a row, 
to all these teams that I felt like they should have beaten. And the 49ers just didn't look like the 49ers. But I am happy to see Burrow and the Bengals getting into more of a groove. And I'm excited to see how this kind of plays into the rest of the season for them. I think we were a little bit disappointed in them earlier in the season. And it seems like they're finally getting into that groove again. The games to watch for next week are those Cincinnati Bengals hosting the Buffalo Bills on Sunday night. It's a primetime game. I think both teams have something to prove. And I think this is going to be a really fun matchup. We get to see Josh Allen and Joey Burrow. They both can just go all out. And I really hope we get to see that from them. Currently, ESPN gives the Bills a 70% chance of winning. But I'm feeling like this may be a more competitive game than they're giving the Bengals credit for. And the Bills just haven't been impressing me as much as I would like. And so that's your Sunday night game. Sunday morning, we have that Germany game against the Dolphins and the Chiefs. And so this will be an early morning game since they are playing in Germany. ESPN is currently giving the Chiefs only a 55% chance of winning. We're expecting this to be a more competitive game. The overseas games are really fun to watch. It's fun to see the different crowds and the games just tend to be a little quirky. I don't know if it's the jet lag or what, but unique things tend to happen in these games. And I think maybe that's why they're giving it such close analytics of who might win. But I'm excited to see what happens. So you can start your morning with that game that's taking place in Germany. And then you can end it with a Sunday night game if you still want to have your Sunday. And then my last pick for the week is to watch the Eagles and Cowboys. They are rivals both in the NFCEs. They both had strong starts to the season. I think it'll be interesting to kind of watch those two teams battle it out. And so that's everything for the NFL this week except I am going to touch on a few of those players in our next segment, which I am so, so excited for. Let's talk some fashion fits this week. Now, with the World Series currently happening, I really wanted to include some people from the MLB on this list of some good fits for the week. But unfortunately, MLB fashion is just not there yet compared to the NBA and the NFL. And the Arizona Diamondbacks actually had an Instagram carousel on some of the game day fits, literally corralling all their favorite game day fits, putting it into one Instagram post. And the caption was, quote, it's giving fashion week, unquote. And I saw this and I was like, great, they're doing, they're doing my work for me. They're going to have great style. I keep scrolling through. And like I said, there is not anybody from the MLB in my top fashion fits for this week. I'm not saying that the MLB fashion is bad. We are in the World Series, so there are only the two teams left of players to potentially have game day fits. So the pool is more narrow, but they're just not competing on the same level as some of these other leagues. And I think that's just a testament to how good the NBA and NFL fits are. So let's dive into them. It was hard to narrow down who to mention, but here's my list for this week. I want to start with the New York Giants backup quarterback who started the game for them, Tyrod Taylor. He had a great fit last week, 
And I think it even better fit this week. It was casual, but just so good with pops of lime green in his fleece and then laces as well in his boots. And just these really, really cool distressed denim that were honestly in such like a great cut for him and I would wear them as well. Tyrod ended up leaving the game yesterday with a rib injury, so we are wishing him a speedy recovery because honestly, this man is underrated and I just love his fashion so, so much. Now, speaking of some great denim, Dallin Terry of the Chicago Bulls had a pair of jeans that looks like they had grommets on the sides of them, and he paired it with a leather jacket that it had these stained glass illustrations on it. And he also had some really, really cool lug sole boots that mix black and tan, and I personally need them. It looks pretty casual. Also elevated, there's some interest there with all these staple pieces. He just has on like a white tank underneath it, some simple accessories, but I was really into it. Now my next mention is actually the Chiefs punter, Tommy Townsend, and this is a little bit of a wild card for me because the fit is slightly themed. He leaned into the fact that he was traveling to Denver. He went with an all-black outfit topped with a black cowboy hat and this blacked-out Kansas City bomber jacket. Now, the accessories could have been upgraded a little bit more, but I honestly appreciated the effort from him and the fact that it just felt like he was really playing into something and having fun with it. Speaking of a theme, we had a decent amount of Halloween-themed outfits or costumes this week. My personal favorite was Miles Garrett. He had on this mask and then, okay, I don't know if gloves is the right word for it, but essentially they were like the same texture as the mask and were essentially like masks for his hand. I'm sure there's a better word for what these were, but essentially he had stuff on his hands in this mask and you're going to have to look at the picture because I'm feeling at describing this. But what I love was between the masked face and masked hands, his outfit was like almost like costumely distressed, but still cool. I loved this like long topper jacket that he had and these boots and just thought it was a costume, but done in a really cool way. And so Miles Garrett, amazing, amazing job. And I actually want to end my fashion picks this week with the one and only LeBron James. This weekend, it was 20 years since LeBron James's NBA debut. And when I saw this picture of this 20-year-old fit from LeBron, I felt like I had to mention it. I love a good set. And I would honestly wear this set today. It was just simple and classic. And it was this blue color that was just a perfect neutral. And so I'll be posting all these fits on the Sideline Edit Instagram, as well as some other honorable mentions. I'm thinking we can maybe do like some voting on the stories to see if maybe you would have picked some of these other ones that were more honorable mentions for me. And if you see a fit that you love, please tag me in it as the pool of good outfits just keeps growing and I don't want to miss anyone. I'm sad that the WNBA season is over because they had some really great fits this year. And so if you ever see a good fit, feel free to tag me because there are just so many out there. I feel like we have to mention the World Series because that's where we are 
in baseball in the MLB. We are down to the Arizona Diamondbacks, and they had beat out the Phillies to get to the World Series, and then the Texas Rangers who had beaten the Astros. Of these four teams, these are the two who I was the most excited to see play. And they had a really great first game on Friday, and they ended up going to the 11th inning, which baseball games typically end in nine innings, and so essentially this was like going into overtime for them. The Rangers ended up winning the game, and honestly, I felt like they deserved to win. They looked like they should have been winning the whole game. But then the Diamondbacks came back and they tied the series in Game 2, winning 9-1. to And Game 3 is tonight. It's feeling like the Rangers are going to win. They look really good on the road. They do have the next three games in Arizona. I have a feeling they won't be able to win all three games. I have a feeling that they'll lose a game and will end up back at the home stadium for the Rangers and then maybe they can win the series there. But honestly, with baseball, who knows? I could see the Diamondbacks winning. There are a lot of interesting parallels between previous time that the Diamondbacks were in the World Series. I believe it was 2001. And they actually played on all the exact same dates that they're playing on this year. They also had this weird incident where One of their pitchers hit a bird while pitching, and that happened again this year with one of their pitchers. And then another weird coincidence is that George W. Bush threw out a pitch during the beginning of the World Series in 2001 and also did it this year. And so if you're superstitious at all and a Diamondbacks fan, I'd be leaning into this. I'm personally actually kind of leaning into this. I think it would be fun to see them win. The World Series is best out of seven. I'd personally love to see them get to the full seven games. I think extending the series just makes it more and more fun. And we can chat about it further next week because by next week, we will have our winner of this year's World Series. Now we're going to transition into Formula One. I've personally really got into Formula One and I'm excited to share more about F1 as it's really popular around the world and is getting more and more popular in the States. And as I cover more F1, I'll dive into more and more of these nuances of the sport because there are honestly a lot of them and there's a lot of business behind the scenes. And a lot of strategy involved in these races. And so I'll kind of be sharing what's prevalent to the current race that is happening right now. And so with F1 right now, we are towards the end of the season. But the season breaks are pretty short. And with looking into next year, most of the drivers are staying the same. There's one that has not been confirmed yet for next year. He's actually the one American driver. But other than that, everybody should be the same for next year. And it's looking like he's going to be the same for next year as well. And so this current season, the 2023 season, had 23 total races. But one of the Italian races did get canceled, making this season only 22 races. And after this week, we have three races left with one this upcoming weekend. This most recent race was the Mexico City Grand Prix. This season has been dominated by Red Bull driver Max Verstappen. People either love him or hate him. I honestly fall a little bit in between. He has 
a typical Dutch personality, very straightforward, can be pretty snarky. Personally, I'm not a Max fan, I would say, but I have an appreciation for Max. And so he has actually already received enough points to clinch the Drivers' Championship and the Constructors' or the Team Championship for the season. And so with F1, in every race, there are points awarded to the drivers in the top 10, depending on which position they ended up in. And in F1, there are 10 teams, and each team has two drivers. And so like I said, Max has dominated, and spoiler alert, he did end up winning this race and actually ended up breaking his own record for the most wins within a season. Going into this weekend, there was a lot of focus on the other Red Bull driver, Sergio Perez. And I'm going to be calling him Checo going forward because that is his nickname. And that is what most people, I would say, call him. Checo is currently the only Mexican F1 driver. Rightfully so, his country loves him. And they do not love his teammate, Max. Since Checo has been underperforming Max this season, there's been some pressure on Checo to perform so that he doesn't lose his spot next year to someone else. Right now, his contract goes through next year. He's expected to be the driver next year, but there has been some rumors of he's not performing as well as Max. Maybe he won't be in that spot next year. And so going into this race, there was expected to be a lot of Max booing from the crowd. And Red Bull actually even got a bodyguard for Max, which is not normal. Red Bull was just trying to be cautious and obviously have protection for Max, and they just knew that he would not be received very well in Mexico City. And obviously, there was a lot of hope that Checo would perform well in his home race. I was personally rooting for him. I was like, if Checo's going to do great somewhere, it's got to be in Mexico City. You know, it's just exciting to see that, exciting to see the crowd getting to cheer him on. Prior to the race, the day before, we have qualifying. Qualifying essentially determines which order the drivers will line up on the grid to start the race. And so you obviously want to do well in qualifying because then that puts you essentially as a head start in the race. And so in qualifying, the Ferrari drivers, Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz, ended up with the best times and they would be starting on the front row, followed by Max Verstappen in third, Daniel Ricciardo was next to him in fourth, and then Checo Perez in fifth. And now I have to talk about Daniel Ricciardo. Daniel Ricciardo is a gem. He is an Aussie who loves America, and he's just goofy and fun. And if you watch the F1 series on Netflix. He is basically the main character of the first season. He also has a great merch line that I have to post because honestly, I would buy everything. He's been at the Met Gala. He is often referred to as an honorary American and is basically an adopted national treasure. Him and Lewis Hamilton are the most like mainstream of the F1 drivers. And so Daniel Ricciardo was formerly Max's teammate at Red Bull a few years back and started this season as the backup driver for Red Bull. Since leaving Red Bull previously, he had been with a couple teams, didn't land a spot for this season, and so he was the Red Bull backup driver. But he ended up getting pulled up this season from backup driver to race for another Red Bull affiliate team called AlphaTauri. 
very quickly into his return to being one of the racers on the grid. He crashed and he injured his hand. And so he had to take a few races off and just returned in this previous race back to racing. And the team he's racing for, AlphaTari, is just not as strong as a lot of the other teams on the grid. They're currently ranked 8th out of the 10 teams. And so Daniel qualifying 4th in his second race back in the car that he was in, which just has not been as competitive, is extremely impressive and exciting that he was able to get such a good result. And now the way qualifying works is they're just doing one lap at a time. And so with this race, they're for 71 laps. And so just because Daniel did great within a one lap time, it wasn't likely that he was going to end up winning the race because obviously in 71 laps, there is a lot more that can happen. And it's a lot harder to be competitive with a car that just isn't as good. But again, it was really exciting to see him in such a top spot in qualifying. And now on to race day. With that starting lineup, we knew that Max was going to try to push his way to the front, and he does just that. He gets a great start and ends up essentially being between the two Ferraris who were in spots one and two. Checo also gets a really great start, and he ends up taking the outside line, essentially being next to one of those Ferraris, Charles. This causes Charles to essentially be sandwiched between the two Red Bulls, Max and Checo. And now this all happens very, very quickly. And there are a lot of videos out there of the start of this race. And essentially, this is all happening within seconds. And they are obviously going incredibly fast. And within the first turn of lap one, Charles and Checo make contact and Checo's car gets too much damage. And at turn one of the first lap of 71 laps, the home driver is out of the race. It was honestly heartbreaking. And you just hear everyone in the crowd and all the fans' disappointment. And I just saw it and I just instantly knew. I'm like, that's it. I was like, it just happened so quickly. And it was so disappointing that you just see him start and then his race is over. The race continues on and they show Checo retiring the car. There was a second of hope where it seems like, okay, maybe we'll try to repair this. And then quickly that hope is short-lived and the car returns to the garage and you know that Checo is done with the race and is not going to get any points for his team. And all those fans that are there to see him only got to see him in the race for seconds. And a lot of times in F1, they have these screens that they can put over the driver's face. It's essentially like opening a book and just putting it over the driver's face so that the camera is not directly in their face. And I honestly think this is really nice because it gives the driver some privacy. There are no screens to be found for poor Checo. And you just see him in the garage and just the disappointment on his face. And I'm not typically a Checo fan, but I wanted him to perform well in his home race. And now the race continues, but ends up getting completely stopped during lap 35 of 71 when Haas driver Kevin Magnussen crashes into the barriers, causing the barriers to need to be repaired. Having the race completely stopped like this isn't too common and honestly added some excitement to see how teams would shift their strategy because essentially all the cars got to go 
back to the garages. Everyone got to get out of their cars. And then they end up essentially doing this restart. And honestly, it's always impressive that there aren't more crashes with the start when everybody is so close together. There were some exciting overtakes during this race and ended up with Max Verstappen leading most of the race and, like I said, winning this race. Lewis Hamilton had a great race, ended up in second. Charles Leclerc, who had made that contact with Checo, finishes out the podium in third. Carlos Sainz fourth, Lando Norris of McLaren with an impressive race starting towards the back of the grid ended up in fifth. He was the driver of the day because of how impressive that drive was. George Russell, who's Lewis Hamilton's teammate at Mercedes, ends up in sixth. And then Danny Rick in seventh. Though Daniel dropped to seventh, finishing a seventh in that car is wildly impressive, like I said, and just gives many people something to talk about, showing that Daniel can do that good in that car that isn't as competitive. What would he do in a more competitive car? Now, at the end of the race, like I said, Charles, who had contact with Checo, ended up in that third slot and received a lot of booing from the crowd. And honestly, Charles handed it well. Contact wasn't Charles's fault. As fast as they were going, it would have been extremely difficult for Checo to realize that Max was on the other side of Charles and how tight he was making the cars. And so Charles didn't deserve the booze. And actually, Charles Leclerc, when I first saw him, I could not get over how similar he looks to a very popular TV show character. And I'm not going to tell you who that TV show character is. Because I'm very curious if anybody else will see it. Because I cannot see past this. Charles Leclerc is this TV character to me. And so I'm very curious if anybody else will see it right away. And so I'll post a picture of Charles on my story with a question box. Seeing if anybody else thinks that he looks exactly like someone from a very popular TV show. That's all I'm going to say. And so that's my very quick wrap-up of the Mexico City race. Lewis Hamilton, who I can't hide, I'm a Lewis fan, is catching up to Checo's second-place spot in the driver's standings. We have three races left. We'll see if Checo can perform or if Lewis will take that spot. Next week, which is now this week, we're in race week, is in Brazil, which is going to be exciting. And so if you're into F1, message me because... I'm way too obsessed and truly tried to keep the segment short as I could have easily dived into this race further and further because, like I said, I'm really getting into Formula One. And so I know we covered a lot this first episode of Sideline Edit. Thanks for tuning in. We have a busy week with so many sports overlapping. I'll be tuning in for the remainder of the World Series. We have some great football games, like I mentioned. We have the F1 race, NBA and NHL still going on, just getting started. It's a great time of year. And so thanks again for tuning in to Sideline Edit. The best way to support a new podcast is to follow it on your favorite podcasting app. Leave a review. You don't even have to write a review if you just rank it with five stars. That is honestly such a big help. And I will see you next week.
This has been a 58 Ember production. For more shows, please visit the 58 Ember channel, 58ember.com, or find us at 58 Ember Media on socials.